Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the privilege of coming to his house. Amen. We want to look at the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19. It reads, Do not quench the spirit. May we all say it again. Oh, I didn't hear you. Let us say it again. Okay, tell your neighbor, do not quench the spirit. Amen. Okay, let us pray. Father, we thank you for tonight and for the privilege once again. We don't take it for granted. Lord, because of the blood, have mercy upon us and release and reveal your word to us. And let your word have a free course in our lives. That we might be transformed to conform to your image. That Lord will be true ambassadors of your truth. In the name of Jesus. Give us clarity. And give us humility also Lord. To receive your word. And to mix it with faith. That we may profit thereby. This we ask in Jesus name. Amen. What we are sharing tonight. I believe is very important for our relationship with the Lord today. Amen. We know that Jesus, before he left physically, made it very clear. says that I'm going to my Father and I'll not leave you comfortless. I'm going to ask the Father to give you a helper. And this helper is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when he comes, he will do certain things with you and I. He will communicate with us. He will lead us in certain areas. Now, as I study more about the Holy Spirit, I realize that he is not the kind of person that when we didn't know the Lord, we thought he was. We, I thought that he was just a force. He was just a feeling. But the more you realize the way he works, you, I can tell you that even in your relationship with your husband or your wife or your son or with the pastor, with the brother in the church, or even as you are listening to the radio, the Holy Spirit can make himself manifest. And if you are not sensitive, you might miss it. Hallelujah. Because I discovered that in the passages, especially in the New Testament, where people um, did something wrong against the Holy Spirit, there was no, it wasn't like they were there and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit said, you have offended me or you have created a problem. I realized that it was in everyday dealings. When you take the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you realize that it was in an everyday dealing. They were dealing with normal human beings. Look, the people when they were dealing with Peter, it looked like a normal person, and no, it was a normal conversation. And yet, when Peter spoke, he said, "Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit?" Amen. When the apostles in Acts chapter thirteen were sent out 
Paul and his uh, friend Barnabas were sent out in Acts chapter 13 verse 1 to 3. Let's look at that passage. And it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now it says, And they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Paul, Saul, for the work for which they have called him. Now, that Holy Spirit said, it doesn't say how he said it. I don't know whether they heard the voice of the Holy Spirit audibly in the meeting room. Or he came through prophecy through one of them. Or he came by conviction through all of them. But he just says, then the Holy Spirit said. But look at verse 3. And then, because they all heard the Holy Spirit, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they, verse, the last verse is, they sent them away. That means the other apostles, the other prophets, the other people who were praying with Paul and Barnabas sent them away. So it looked very, very natural. Until you get to verse 4. Verse 4. So being sent out by, what does it say? Being sent out by, being sent out by, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. It means sometimes, if we are not careful, if you don't pay attention, you can miss a direction of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know how many of us are being sent by the Holy Spirit through the intervention of somebody who is spiritual in your life, like a pastor or your husband or your wife or a brother or a sister or somebody that you say, oh, this one, we are just cool. It said, being sent forth These guys that were mentioned, they looked very ordinary. They were normal, they looked very normal. But verse 4 makes it clear to you and I, that in dealing with the moves of the Spirit, we all need to be careful. In this instance, we're dealing with apostles. In another instance, it could be a babe, a child. The Holy Spirit can minister through a little child. Or somebody just around an old man an old woman a young boy a young girl even a beggar the Holy Spirit can speak through because he, he was able to use a donkey to speak to somebody and I realized that it means that for you and I to stay clear of the way of the Holy Spirit not to stand in the way we must be very very sensitive All that we are going to share tonight will mean nothing unless we understand the art of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Say Amen. If you don't cultivate the habit of wanting to hear from the Holy Spirit and understanding what it means to be sensitive to the Spirit, all that we are saying will mean very little. Because one of the important things I learned as I studied the Holy Spirit is that 
Do not cage the Holy Spirit. Do not stereotype the Holy Spirit. Many of us think that it's when you come to a meeting like this, and we have a worship, and we have somebody prophesy, or somebody speak in tongues and interpret, or maybe somebody says, I'm saying that that says the Lord. They say what the Holy Spirit is saying. Then the Holy Spirit is speaking. But you must know that the Holy Spirit speaks even in your quiet time. In that family devotion, as you are sitting there, the Holy Spirit speaks. In fact, in your driving, as you are approaching, before many times the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about even roots. Before I set up on a journey, on a trip, the Holy Spirit may say, today, this is your usual route, but today take this one. And sometimes I have disobeyed and I have paid for the consequence. Hallelujah. I hear the Holy Spirit say, today don't use this particular route. And I said, oh, but today the weather looks fine and this place looks fine. And then you just move. And before you realize you are in trouble, then you realize, I didn't he say this? Hallelujah. So I've come to realize that he seemed to speak in normal ways that we can easily miss. And that's a very important point I would like us to take note of. Now, for you and I to appreciate and not to offend the Holy Spirit, we, are, we must also come to the point of knowing who he is as a person. His nature. That he is God. He has an assignment on this earth in your life and in my life today. Hallelujah. If you do not appreciate who he is and how he operates today, you will, not be, you will easily stumble, you will easily offend him without even knowing. And you see, in dealing with the Holy Spirit, you must always pray, Oh Lord, open my eyes. Every time you wake up, anything that comes, you don't take for granted. One of the biggest things that can cause us to offend the Holy Spirit is familiarity. Everyone say familiarity. If there is anything that can cause you and I to offend the Holy Spirit, it's the word familiarity. When we get to the point where we think, oh, we know it. I know him. I know how he moves. I know how he works. How he talks to me. I know how, this, some people say, oh, ask for me when I dream, I know. Ditto, ditto. When, I don't normally dream, but when I dream, all my dreams, be careful. Because you can easily make a mistake. Hallelujah. Familiarity is one of the things that makes people not get the Holy Spirit and easily start trample on the work of the Holy Spirit. Familiarity with the ways of God, with people that God may be using in your life. Hallelujah. Familiarity with the ways of God, the manifestations of the Spirit. It can create problems for you and I. And I pray that I will not be too familiar you must also not be too familiar. Because the moment you become familiar, you can enter into the realm of offending. You see, when Ananias and Sapphira were speaking, they thought they were dealing with Peter. They were very familiar with Peter. Hallelujah. And I see that we can all fall into that. That is why we always have to pray, Oh Lord, help me. That I will know when it is different. When you are, you are, you are manifesting. 
It can be mommy, mommy, mommy. Every day, oh, mommy, mommy, mommy. But today, a time comes, and mommy, what mommy is usually seeming to be a stumble, harassing you, mommy is actually moving by the inspiration of the Spirit. But because you are programmed, mommy is a nagger. Always nagging. Mommy is always nagging. Mommy is always complaining. You must shut your spirit. And before you realize, you miss a, a move of the spirit. Say amen. So, for you and I to appreciate the Holy Spirit and not to fall prey to offending Him, we must know His present day ministry. We may not exhaust the list, but let us look at some of the things that He is supposed to do today. Today, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. We know that Jesus had a unique ministry. There are things that Jesus did as a member of the Trinity that the Holy Spirit is not doing. For example, Jesus saved, died. The Holy Spirit is not dying. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus did certain things, went through, humbled himself into a servanthood, and God highly exalted him. The Holy Spirit isn't going through that. So that's a unique ministry of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit also has a unique ministry for you and I. Now, we offend him when we interfere with the unique ministry of the Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. He has a unique ministry of being the spirit of truth. Revealing the truth of God. So anything you and I will do to interfere or to distort or to, to put undervalue, under lower the, the ranking, the importance of his revelation of truth, we are in trouble with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because his mandate on earth is to reveal the truth of God. So anything anybody does to distort that truth, anybody who tries to question that truth, who tries to undermine that truth, who tries to, 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 to play around with that truth, is on, on the war path with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is sent to quicken our mortal bodies. We know about that. The Spirit of Christ. Romans 8, 11. He shall quicken your mortal bodies. If he lives in you. So that assignment of quickening our mortal bodies is given to the Holy Spirit. Making us alert and spending, using our body to glorify God is the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's very easy to downplay that role of He quickening our mortal body. What it means is that there is nothing that you and I, that God has given to you and I to do that you cannot do. Say amen. So the idea that, oh, God told you to do, but I, I don't feel like, or I can't do, it's not in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's an offense to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes 
We have what we call false humility in the sight of God. We can say, oh, for me, that is not what I'm used to. But you see, it, it under, it, it's in conflict with what the word of God says, that he will quicken your mortal body. That is why Paul, who believes in that statement, said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say, Amen. So when a child of God, who should know what the Holy Spirit is able to do, says that, oh, I'm not equipped, I'm not able. He is there to quicken you. So when you say, you, you, you are disbelieving him, you are discounting him, because his job is to quicken my mortal body and your mortal body. That's why nothing that has to do with the body can stand in the way of the Holy Spirit. Because he's there to quicken my mortal body. To sharpen me. So once, even though in my flesh I cannot do it, when I accept him, he's able to do, I'm able to do it. Say amen. The Holy Spirit, the scripture says, he helps our infirmities. Romans 8, 26. With groanings which cannot be uttered. It means that he, he identifies that yes, you may be weak. I may be weak. But I'm not going to stay in that state of weakness. Whether it's a mental weakness, a physical weakness, a moral weakness, whatever. I don't accept it as the norm. You also don't accept it as the norm. You are not going to sit down because he helps your infirmities. So coming to terms and say, oh God, you know that I mean, everybody knows. And God understands. And God is an undermining of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because He knows that yes, you don't have ability, you don't have strength. But He helps, His job is to help my infirmity. My infirmity is not just physical sickness, but even mental frame of mind. When you are weak in the mind, it's an infirmity. When your faith is weak, it's an infirmity. When you are discouraged, it's an infirmity. When you are fearful, it's an infirmity. When you are doubtful, it's an infirmity. But the job of the Holy Spirit is to strengthen you and I in that infirmity. Say amen. So the Bible says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Say amen. So when you say, when you say that, oh, God knows that I'm weak. That's for me, I can't do it. And Pastor, you don't understand. That statement that you don't understand is undermining the Holy Spirit. Because God understands. He himself knows your weakness. He knows your failing. But he helps you. He doesn't leave you in that failing. But he helps you. He's willing to help me in that situation. That, so you are, it is not meant to be a condition. It's meant to be an opportunity to engage him to take you out of that infirmity. Say amen. He's there to make intercession for you and I. That is his job today. Beyond helping your infirmities. In that same Romans. Making intercession. Now it means that an intercessor knows that you have offended a big person. Or you have an issue, you need something from a higher authority. The intercessor comes in. Because you don't have the credentials to engage that higher authority. Hallelujah. You offend the government or you offend somebody in authority and the person is unhappy and you deserve to be punished. But he comes and says, look, I will speak for you. You don't have the words. You don't have the the standard. You don't have the qualification. 
the spiritual, moral, mental, the language to express, to be able to be forgiven, to be able to uh, 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 receive what you want. So, you engage the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. His job is for you and I, the things we cannot bring before God, His job is to able to bring us before God and speak for us. Now, when in the process of doing that, through the fact that you don't have faith, you don't believe that what you have done is so much that you don't think that God can accept you. That's when you are offending the Holy Spirit. When you think that, oh, maybe I'll take advantage of that. That is when you say you are offending the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit is a very important ministry in the sight of God. When he threw, and she, he does it, the scripture says, he through your inner man, through your spirit, as he energizes you, as he energizes me, as we speak, as we pray by the spirit, as we also engage and dis- commune with him in your spirit, and he speaks to you, he reveals things to you. He tells you, this is what the father is thinking about you. This is what you should do. When you go, when you, you hire a lawyer to go to a court, the lawyer tells you, when the judge asks you, are you guilty or not guilty? Say that I'm not guilty. Or say that I'm guilty but I want to plead. The lawyer, the Holy Spirit teaches you that when you go to the Father, don't be proud. When you go, this one you are at fault. Say it this way. Don't say, don't, don't be rushed with your mouth. It's the Holy Spirit who will tell you that when you are coming to pray, it's not time to even just blast in tongues just like that. This one, it calls for a humility. It calls for you to say that, hmm, uh, this one, Lord, help me out. Like somebody said, Lord, help my unbelief. So the Holy Spirit is the one who will tell you the words you utter when you come before the Lord. You, we don't rush to say those things. For he helps you to examine carefully the things that we bring before God in prayer. Hallelujah. And the things that you know are acceptable before God. So mere flattery and mere words that mean nothing are not uttered because the Holy Spirit is helping you and I. Hallelujah. The Spirit Himself helps our infirmities. Sometimes we feel discouraged. Sometimes we feel unwanted before God. Sometimes the way we know men look at us, we feel that we don't qualify. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you come. I will still talk to the Father. I will still allow the Father to accept you. Hallelujah. That's His job. Now, how do we... Okay, let me move. Let me finish this one. Another thing Jesus taught us in Luke 16, uh, John 16, from verse 7 to 11. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, your father, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now this assignment of the Holy Spirit, it seems to be directed at three categories of people. It's still the work of the Holy Spirit. The first category is dealing with people of the world. Hallelujah. The second category is dealing with us. There is a conviction of the world of sin. Before we got born again, the Holy Spirit had to convict us of our sins. And he's still in that business or that ministry of conviction of people. 
That is why these days, many people say, oh, people come to Christ and they don't last. A lot of times, what happens is that a lot of people are not really convicted. A lot of times, what happens is that people join church. A lot of times, people want a miracle. Sometimes they want a breakthrough. So that is why sometimes, even though they, they say they have received Christ, we need to take time to really get to know. That's why we do assurance of salvation. Because many times, people lift their hands, walk to the altar, and they haven't understood there's no conviction. They just join the crowd. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to give them an opportunity to feel that, that sense that uh, conviction of sin. That, ah, I don't want my, I, I look dirty in my old uh, form. Now I want the new life. I want the life of light. I want the light, the life that reflects goodness, that reflects love, that reflects kindness. The new life that shows that somebody must be attracted to God in a special way. So that is the conviction part. But beyond conviction, there is a righteousness. The unbeliever cannot walk in righteousness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps you and I to walk in righteousness. Hallelujah. He teaches us to walk in the right way. Righteousness is walking in the right way. There's always a, a wrong way. The, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end of it is destruction. But the way of goodness or the way of righteousness is an, a way that comes when you are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So the conviction there and of, of righteousness is mainly for believers. Then he says, and of judgment. Judgment is when the end has come. When you don't, we don't, the person does not take the instruction of the Holy Spirit, whether a believer or unbeliever, especially the unbeliever, and the final judge, the Holy Spirit will say, this one I spoke to him, he didn't listen, or she didn't listen. But that one I spoke to her, and she listened. Hallelujah. So there are different way, messages that are, uh, different audience that are responding to this same message. There are those that are of conviction of the sin of the world, the, world, the worldly people. Then the direction of righteousness, which comes to the saint. Then you have the judgment, which is the consequence of refusing or rejecting the Holy Spirit's instruction. Hallelujah. Now, the next important assignment, we're talking about the, the comfort, is the comfort of the Spirit. Jesus said, in this world, we shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Then he also said, I'm going to the Father. The Father will send you the comforter. Because he knows that because we don't belong to this world, the world will reject us. And sometimes the system of the world makes us feel as if we are not worth anything. In Many of us will have our testimonies in our families, in our homes, in our school. Uh, and because of the faith that we have stood for. People will mock us. People said we are good for nothing. People made all kinds of statements about us and descriptions that show that because you have accepted Christ, there is no hope for you. Amen. I remember when I, we were in Form 1 and um, I became a Christian, SU boy. And I had another of my uh, relatives in the same form. And I remember some six formers. They gave us two nicknames. When I mentioned my position and they looked at my life, my position in class at the time, they looked at my life, they named us, one, they said, probable. And the other, they called possible. <laughs> because in those days, when you write O-levels in infant school, 
the first hundred people were almost assured that they'll get grade one. And the next maybe 120, uh, 50 people may get grade two. And then the last maybe 10 or 20 will get grade three. So, and if you got grade one, you are sure to come to this form. So, they looked at my position, they looked at my life, that cliffhead boy, and they said, I may pro- I, well, where I was, I was close to the hundred. They said, you will probably make it. But my other brother, they said, oh, he, where he was, and he was a guy. He liked entertainment and all. They said, as for him, there is possible. He was a guy. And I remember later on, one of my relatives looked at me and said, this but you'll be good for nothing. They, can, they could look at you and discourage you because you are chosen to follow Christ. But I always tell people, when, I, when you look at me, do I look at somebody who's, not good for, who's good for nothing? I don't think so. Without boasting, I don't think I look like somebody who's good for nothing by the grace of God. Amen. So when you come to Christ, people can describe you in all manner of ways. So you need comfort. And that comfort, that assignment comes from the Holy Spirit. He is the one who when you are discussed, when people write you off, he can come to you and say, look, son, take your time. Don't, don't, don't think of anything bad. Doing evil to yourself. Don't think of any evil. Don't harm yourself. Don't write yourself off. Don't, don't, don't give up on and say, oh, where is Christ in all of this? We all have come to that point before. But the Holy Spirit, the comforter, came in for us. Say amen. He came through for us. Amen. So in doing this assignment, or undertaking this assignment, we need to flow with the Holy Spirit. Of course, He also leads us. I've talked about that in Acts 13. It's His job, the leadership in marriage, in education, on our jobs. In making decisions of life, without the Holy Spirit, it's incomplete. Now, there are many of us who think that the Holy Spirit only leads us when it comes to church. Let me tell you, even in where you, you live, the Holy Spirit is leading you where, where to buy land and where not to buy land. Amen. Where you are located, let me show you a scripture. The scripture said in, in Genesis 12, Verse 1 to 3. God appeared to Abraham and said to him, I want you to leave your father's house, leave your family, leave this community, and come to a place that I will show you. Go on. No, go, go. Go, go back. Get out of your country, your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Today, that land is being shown to you and I by the Holy Spirit. You see, we have thought that, oh, only spiritual things in quotes, church stuff only. Even where you are, you are located, the job you are taking, the marriage you are entering into, the, 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 the trip you want to make, is an, is a, it's also in the rebate of the Holy Spirit. Don't deceive yourself. That promotion offer, job that seemed to be open, that vacancy is not your choice to make as such. Even though you have all the qualifications, 
Even though you know the one making the decision. Even though all looks so easy. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And for all you know, your refusal to understand and to hear the voice of the Spirit can lead you to offend the Holy Spirit. Say amen. It may look like that's my decision. That's my plan. That's my, the way I've, I've worked it out. I've skimmed it. I've put it all down. But here is Abraham, father of faith. You and I, I don't think we have more faith than Abraham because he's a model. Your name is not in the Bible. His name is in the Bible. Amen. And he's quoted as a father of faith. So if he who was a father of faith, God found out that where he will live, he needed the instruction of the Holy Spirit. What about you? Where you live is, must be determined by the Holy Spirit. You can even buy the land and the Holy Spirit will say, this land, sell it or give it away. We haven't come to that point. And because of that, we are living in a lot of life. Many of us are living lives that are continuously offending the Holy Spirit. Our lives are battling, fighting, resisting the Holy Spirit. I'm coming to that in a moment. Because He is supposed to lead us in our lives. And the li- the, 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 your life is not in compartments. Your life is whole. It's complete. We talked about holistic. You are, you are complete. You are total. Jesus, the Bible said, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Christ. And you are what? Complete. So your money is complete in Him. Your job is complete in Him. Your marriage is complete in Him. Your church is complete in Him. Where you live is complete in Him. How you travel is complete in Him. The people that you invite to your home to live with you is complete in Him. In fact, Ruth said to Naomi, and treat me not to leave you. Say, where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I'll die. Your God shall be my God. Why, so why was that necessary? You see, where, why was that necessary? Why do you think God, look, even in our death, where we are buried, matters before God. Why do you think the body of Moses was hidden from the Israelites? Why do you think so? I'm, I'm just going off a bit to show you that if, even in death, the, the, the bodies of the saints matter to God. How much more in life? To date, nobody, the Jews, don't know where Moses was buried. Why would Joseph say, according to the scriptures, he said, that by faith, Joseph, in his lifetime, gave commandment concerning his bones. And before he was about to die, he told the people of Israel, the Jews, that when you are going from, 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 from Egypt, carry my bones along. And bury me. Why would he say, if it didn't matter? Why would Abraham go and meet the, 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 the descendants, the children of Heth, and say, my wife, Sarah, is dead. I want to buy this land and bury her there. And that is where I, I, I also want to be. There's a mystery to it. Even in death, how much more in life? So this leading by the Spirit that many of us take for granted, may God help us. You, you, you say, oh, I've done it all. I've prepared the ticket. I've prepared that. I've done, I've done that. So I have to, it has to happen. Nothing will happen. My old French, Danish friend, businessman, he didn't have a mobile phone many years ago. The one who started 
than half Eric Bostin. I don't know whether he's still alive because he was very old. He used to say, Emmanuel, in this world, there is nothing that cannot wait. In those days, mobile phone came. He, for many years, he was a very rich man. He owned a chateau in France. Very rich. When you are going to his house, you have to drive like half a mile into the house. The whole gate. I mean, before you enter the gate. So, he, for you to have a house like that in France, you must be very rich. And yet, he didn't have a mobile phone. I said, ah, Eric, why? He brought Danafku. You know Danafku in that area? He set up a factory. And he left it. Went to Togo, built, made it an ice cream factory and all. He has so much wealth. And he said, I know, in this world, there's nothing that cannot wait. But we, who say we are waiting on the Lord? We can't wait. <laughs> Everything has to be today. And if you are waiting for that breakthrough today, it doesn't happen. God, it means God must have gone to sleep. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So one of the major things that often offend the Holy Spirit is when we refuse His leadings. When we refuse to hear and, and are unable because we are so consumed by our passion, but consumed by our, 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 our traditions and our, the things we want to do, that we miss out. May you not miss out. Every part of your life and my life matters before the Lord, Holy Spirit. Say Amen. The leadership of the Spirit. Because we need Him to fulfill His assignment, or He needs us. We need to be careful about these. I'll give you just nine things that can offend him as he does his assignment here on earth with us. Number one is grief. Grieving. Verse 29 of Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But that what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom ye were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. These three verses connotes something about the way to walk with the Holy Spirit. When we say grief, we are talking about pain. We are talking about sadness. We are talking about anguish. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, in the Holy Ghost, righteousness, peace, and joy is in the Holy Ghost. So why and how the Holy Spirit gets a moment of grief? It's a mystery. Because he should not be unhappy and grieve. Because in him is joy, peace. But this scripture explains it. It's just like asking when Jesus was on the cross. Why, where was the connection? What, how do you explain how the father seemed to have abandoned him? And say, father, father, why have you forsaken me? It's a similar situation there. Because the Holy Spirit is supposed to bring love, joy, peace. Then here we are being told that the Holy Spirit is grieved. He's unhappy. He's pained. He's grieved. 
And we are saying, the scripture is saying that these things, it says, and do not, which means that the preceding scripture may have something to do with that end. Because end is a conjunction. When you see the word also, it means they are, they are, they are, they are related. And then means it depends on the preceding things. Therefore, it means that the preceding argument is important to understanding the current one. So when you say end, there's a link. They are in the same family of issues. And he says, what are the family, the issues that we are dealing with in this family? The words. If there is anything that can cause grief to the spirit, is the words. But Jesus explained, not just mere words. He says, out of the mouth, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. Hallelujah. As a man thinketh, so is he. So, if we are able to speak foul, offensive, angry words, or bitter words, discouraging words, or hurting words, one to the other, something is not quite right. It's a grief to the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit to hear a believer. But not only that, to, to think evil. To think, you see, malice. He talks about an evil speaking put away from you. All malice. That means evil intentions or evil motive. It may not be expressed in deed, but the mindset, the motivation. When you go to Jeremiah, he says that God, he examines the thoughts and the intents of mankind. So the Holy Spirit is grieved when a person is, you see the Bible says in First Corinthians 10, says, love does not think evil, believes all things, hopes all things. So when we are operating in a realm where there is doubt, there's, uh, uh, there's fear, mistrust, and all of that, we are creating grief to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And if, you want, if we want to, uh, to help us, we must admit, we must say, no, this thing is not a healthy thing for me. Amen. If I hold against a brother, or I hold, a brother holds against me, it is other, adding grief. It's, and when they, see, when a person is grieved, he is immobilized. Grief immobilizes people, human beings. When, you, when, when nations lose a great person, there is grief. Flags fly at half mast. The nation decides that today, no work. Everybody stay at home. Recently, last week or so, we heard in Sunyani, a queen mother died. And they were grieving. He said, everybody should wear black. Look out in the night. When there is grief, mobility is affected. When there is grief, action slows down. When great people are grieved, things don't move the way they have to move. So in the church and in our lives, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, mobility is affected. The, 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 our instincts and his ability to operate fully in the life of the believer doesn't happen. 
Because he is grieved. Because it's not easy for him to flow for things of God to come. So the intercessioning role that we spoke about, the comforting role that we spoke about, all the roles, the, the leading role that we spoke about, all the things he's supposed to do, the, 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 the truth that he's supposed to reveal, all is blocked. So revelation it goes dark. That's why many grow up in the darkness. When the Holy Spirit is given, people make mistakes. People are not sure. People do try and error because the Holy Spirit, they are not hearing the voice of the Spirit. And grief often comes from wrong emotions. Wrong attitudes. Hallelujah. Grief takes away your joy. The peace. And oftentimes, Holy Spirit is grieved by the tongue. The mismanagement of the tongue. And the mindset. Wrong mindset. Especially about others. May God help us. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, sorry, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, lying to the Holy Spirit means manipulate and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Manipulation, deception. Go to the Ananias and Sapphira, it looked like they had manipulated, they had beaten him, the Holy Spirit. He saw through. Hallelujah. And one way on, in which a person can offend the Holy Spirit is when we try to be smarter than him. In other words, we offend God when we are not sincere before God. And especially in our worship. Especially in our, our devotion. We need to know or practice the art of spiritual humility before the Lord. Hallelujah. Spiritual humility. When we know that there is something to talk to God about, let's engage Him. And when we know there's something to be done about our lives, let's engage in. Amen. In the same verses in chapter 5, we are told that verse 9, it says, And they tempted God. Then Peter said to him, How is it that you have agreed together to test? The other word for test is tempt the Spirit of the Lord. Look at the feet of those who have buried your husband and at the door, and they will carry you. You know, earlier when I was talking about familiarity, and we all, we need to be cautious and pray that God will help us so that we don't become too familiar. Because it's easy to, under the guise of familiarity, just tempt God. Hallelujah. That is why it's also important to do personal reflection every time. In our everyday lives. Before we come to church. Whilst we are in church. Don't, when you are sitting in the church or you are sitting in a quiet moment, let's, don't, don't be a signboard. In your heart, brother or sister, don't say, oh, ah, this one he's saying is for this one. That one is for that one. That one is for, ah, if this one was here, pa, no. Take it for yourself. Amen. Because if you know yourself, but the scripture says, man, know yourself. You won't tempt God. Many times, 
we think that we are so familiar with God. I know God and God knows me. So, this is not about me. But the scripture says that Ananias and Sapphira, they thought to tempt God. To see what God will do. And they had a problem. It may not always lead to catastrophe like death. But it will lead to a departure of the spirit. Say Amen. We are told in Isaiah 63 verse 10 in the Old Testament. There's an expression there in the King James. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy. And he fought against them. The other word for rebelled is that, sorry, the, the, the grief there is vex. The grief there is vex. Now what is, I remember when we were school, primary school, somebody, if somebody was to you, you say, don't vex me, eh? <laughs> These days, people don't use that English. That's colloquial English. Don't vex me. But really, the word vex has to do with irritation. And one of the ways in which people irritate the Holy Spirit is when we are doing something spiritual, but not in a spiritual way. Not doing spiritual things in the spiritual way. You see, you can pray, but not in a spiritual way. It, it, it becomes a very, it irritates. Prayer styles, worship styles, anything that is supposed to be spiritual. Things that can, in general terms, people can look at, say, even worship, leading music, doing, play, playing instruments. It's supposed to be a spiritual. And spirituality in playing there doesn't necessarily mean closing your eyes and being in an atmosphere of worship and everybody's forgotten. No, that's what I'm talking about. But there is a certain expected conduct that allows the, your, your audience or your listeners to focus on what God is doing rather than what you are doing or what we are doing. When our activities, our packaging disrupts from focusing on God to focusing on ourselves and our trivialities, it, it vexes the Holy Spirit. It's an irritation. It, 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 it distorts. It gives the, 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 the beauty. It distorts the beauty of what God is doing. So sometimes, I don't want to illustrate, sometimes some of the ways we, by just imitating things, the wrongful way, whether... Even, even, it can be even the use of the word of God. Or the use of the way we pray. Everything, many spiritual things. The way we manage them and use them can be a vexation. It be irritating. Instead of it provoking, you see the scripture says, provoking one another unto love and unto good works, it can provoke people unto departing from God. Hallelujah. We can even do church to cause vexation. Hallelujah. So vexation has to do with irritation. You can do the good thing, even generosity, can be done in a vexatious manner, in a, an irritant manner. So the Jews, they, they, they got to a point, they were doing the rituals. The Pharisees, 
They were doing it, everything, but it was an vexation. So they, they, Jesus came and he was very upset with the way they were doing it. And we can all fall into that, 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 that way. Easily. That is why we must, one of the ways that vexes the Holy Spirit is religion. We become religious. Extremely religious as against relational with God. It can create a problem. Because it vexes the Holy Spirit. It creates, it, 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 gets, it creates some irritation. Instead of people being attracted to love God, they begin to question and have doubts. When you, you, are, you are singing, but everybody can, so you got the tune right. You are singing like Susan Boyle. Hallelujah. You know Susan Boyle, that lady who won the, one of those contests. She looked very bubbly. She looked, she, excuse me, she, looked, she didn't look like a smart lady. She went to one of these American contests or British contests. And she went and she surprised people. When she was singing, everybody was, hey. She sang some opera songs and everybody was wondering, hey. She didn't look, she looked like, for the want of a better word, took Belebi. She looked like, like, she was Jimmy Jimmy Kakrav. She didn't look like, she, she, and the dress she was wearing, everything. She didn't look like a typical star. But when she took the microphone, Sang and the people were just wondering, hey, how? As she started octaves, then she started higher, higher, and everything was correct, like the original. Then they called it to, today. The other time I read, they said she's twenty-two million dollars or pounds value. From twenty two oh nine to date, in less than twelve years, because of that. Now sometimes a person can sing gospel music or do God's Christian things with such excellence. But there will be something, sometimes even the appearance, the dressing, the appearance, the dressing, or the language, or something about the beautiful thing can just create irritation. That's what we mean by vexing the spirit. They were doing religious, the Jews, they were in the, in the, in the world, they were doing, they were killing the, 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 the bulls, they were doing everything. But it was an offense, it was an offense to God. Because they were doing some, they were, they were doing it with the wrong motives, and they were doing things, there were side issues, which distracted from the main thing about God, which is love and faith and all of that, and, and, and kind of, they, they, they missed it. So, they, and they rebelled and give, that word, that give there is actually vexed the Holy Spirit. You, give me a translation which tells me it's vexed. I think in James also. And they vexed the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. They rebelled. Rebellion also means people, rebels are people who resist established governance order. There are rebels in church. There are rebels in homes. There are rebels in school. Hallelujah. When we were on the campus, my roommate was SRC president. This man, he knows him. I think his relative. He loved Aluta so much.
Church is a theocracy. Hallelujah. Church is a theocracy. And as we are in church, we have to learn the culture of church. Amen. Rebellion, the Bible says, as a sin of witchcraft. And it opens the door. It fights. When you look at the story that was they're talking about in um, Isaiah, he was talking about the history of the Jews. And you recall that before they entered into kingship, they fought against God's rule. They said, we don't want God. We want to be like other kings, other nations. And, but they rebelled. Therefore, he was sent to be, be their enemy. And God warned them. Hallelujah. That is rebellion. When it comes to one way of dealing with this is to learn. Let's look at James chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Learn not to be too wise. Learn not to say, for where envy and strive is, there is confusion in every way. Verse 17. But with the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That's a key to learning to, uh, to, 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 not to be a rebel. Then peaceable and gentle. And the part that I love most is easy to be entreated. If you don't want to be a rebel, learn to be easily entreated. If you want to show your wisdom, it's not in your nice way of getting through things. No, but learn to be easily entreated. And full of mercy. Now, the mercy there is not going to give charity. Salaka, salaka. Not, not that one. But mercy in having those who maybe even offend you or those that you may not even agree with, you see that, oh, a beer not ten on Maybe he or she doesn't understand. That's why they are behaving the way they are behaving. So you are able to let go. That is full of mercy. That, mercy, having compassion on those who don't understand the way of the righteous. And good fruits. Without partiality, without hypocrisy, being fair-minded, open-minded, is a way to avoid being a rebel. Also, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16 and 17. It's not in the scripture, but the points I made, but I want to mention. If you want to avoid being a rebel, because when you become rebel, you, can, you are fighting against the Holy Spirit. So this is the secret. It says, be not righteous overmuch. Neither make yourself thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Verse 17. He said, Be not overmuch wicked. Neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? So, we must, much as we must 
You know, these days, everybody, I know my rights. I know, what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. Sometimes you can know what you are saying, but it gets to a point, you have to say, okay, Lord, love your way. That's the way to allow, to, for, for you and I not to be rebels. It's true. We, we are all principled. We all know what we, is right and what is wrong. We all know how to speak to whatever anybody is saying and make our voice said. This is because of the democracy we are seeing and hearing every day. There is a temptation to go to full length. When you make the point up to a point, allow the Holy Spirit to, to, make the, to conclude the argument. Don't, don't, let's not be like this one there. If it doesn't go the way I want it and the way, if it's not this other way that I think, you are not, you are making, you can kill. Why must you die before your time? Don't be over much wise. You are wise. It's true. You've shown, you've, uh, you've explained your point. You are very wise. It's good. Leave it for the Lord. Hallelujah. Why do we have a lot of divorce and fights in homes, marriages, children and fathers and mothers are fighting? Because everybody is over wise. Hallelujah. Everybody is overwise. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know. I, I know. I, you're, I see your point, but the way I me, I don't see it that way. It's you who sees that way. Me, I don't see it that way. Okay, let's agree to disagree. That is the way the new age thinking. That is not Holy Spirit thinking. The new Holy Spirit thinking says, yes, we don't, I don't agree with you. I don't, I'm not sure this one gels with me. But because of the love of Christ and because of maturity, let us, let's move. That is the way of the Holy Spirit. But when you cultivate the habit of always trying to stand up for what is logically correct, you may end up rebelling against the Holy Spirit. I've been a Christian for many years and I'm talking from what I've learned in many situations. Say Amen. And sometimes... When you do that, you may look like a fool. Sometimes you may look like, ah, what's wrong with you? Other people will want to urge you to be destructive. But in, this, in seeking to do that, you will be destroying the kingdom. We are talking kingdom. You will be a bad ambassador for the kingdom. So, we, yes, mother, sister, you have a good argument. Your, your, all the points favor you. But know how far you have to go. Tell your neighbor, go, know how far you have to go. Don't go too far. Slow down. Adobre. Amen. Blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 12. This is when Jesus worked the miracle. And people said he was doing it by some demonic Satan, Beelzebub. So clearly the illustration Jesus was saying that anybody who undervalues the move of the Spirit, when the Lord is doing something in your family, in the church, and glory is not given to God, but given to others, attributed the supernatural, undervaluing the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, it can be problematic. But when you read Hebrews 6, you understand also that apostates, people who come to the faith and backslide and give up on the faith, they are also in this category. Because they too, Jesus said, they will never be reinstated. If you have treated the faith and you have had the good gifts and you still say, I don't want him again, it's also not good. And for you, a, priest, a person who has known Christ, you should not go back. Say, Amen. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You have seen the things of God. 
And now you go out and say, oh, it's all fake. One friend was telling me a few weeks ago that a couple who's, who's, who are missionaries in Ghana, very good Christian, husband and wife, their daughter went to school at Legon and came back and said, the Bible is anti-feminism. The Bible is anti-women. So she up going to church. She doesn't read the Bible again. The child who has been raised up has been baptized in Christ, speaking tongues. She just went to Legon to learn philosophy small. She said the Bible is anti-women. Feminist movement. Don't go to university to learn about feminism and, and rebel against God. Amen. It's dangerous. This small school you have been to, you are questioning the things of God. I told you about the pastor's friend who also told me that the Bible was set up by white people, Europeans, to endorse slavery. I said, you even don't know the Bible and the roots. Hallelujah. Because that's clear Rastafarian teaching. Amen. I won't go further. Quench not the spirit. Quench not. First Thessalonians 5 verse 19. How do you quench the spirit? Timothy tells us similar. First Timothy 4 14. Do not neglect the gift. When you neglect the gift, you, are, you used to prophesy in the church. And you haven't prophesied for a very long time. And it doesn't bother you. You are quenching the spirit. Or somebody offended you and said, I won't do this thing again. I'm leaving this group. I'm leaving that. You are quenching the spirit. Because that grace God gives to you is for you to use in the kingdom. Because the way they irritated you, you walked out. That language is quenching the spirit. Because you were anointed. The Bible says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good? So when you are anointed, you are not anointed to go and quarrel. Neither are you anointed to, to, to walk rebel. Neither are you anointed to be weak. You are anointed to go about doing good and delivering all that to oppress of the devil. So when you say you are anointed. Five years ago, you were anointed. This year, you are still anointed. Next year, you should be more anointed. You shouldn't be anointed. Oh, when we were there, when we were in secondary school, oh, we used to even raise the dead. Oh, we used to, no, today, are you still raising the dead? Are you still anointed? Oh, it was some SU president who anointed me. So me, I said, me, I'm on fellowship. I'm on Language like that, you are quenching the spirit. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. When you are upset with your husband, with your pastor, with your leader, anybody, mind your language. There used to be a TV program many years ago. Mind your language. Tell your neighbor, mind your language. Don't not sin with your mouth. Don't, don't, don't say certain things. You may be, you, your person may irritate you anyhow. It may be a husband, a wife, a, a, a pastor, anybody, a prophet, somebody. But mind your language. Amen. They used to have a Pakistani 
and, and Indian and English and uh, Adab Africa and they'll be speaking. The language was, they couldn't get their tenses right. It was very nice. It was like a comedy or so. I've forgotten some of the bad language he spoke. But mind your language. The class was a very interesting class. You remember that, Brother Fred? Yeah. So mind your language. When you are upset, mind your language. Even us, as fathers and mothers, mind your la- let's mind our language. Sometimes when you are angry with your wife, sometimes when you are angry with your husband, when you are angry with your child, mind your language. Mind your language. Let's mind our language. If you are not careful, we will quench the spirit. We, 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 we quench the spirit through our regulatory regime. When we set boundaries for the spirit, you know, fire needs space. Hallelujah. For fire, oxygen creates more fire. Oh, am I wrong? What makes? Huh? Farmer, yeah. Give more fire. So when the place is contained and there's no air in, there'll be. So when you, our lives, our philosophy of God, our understanding, we think that oh, God is only when I'm in, I'm doing worship time in church, or God is only when I'm in this environment, or when I have my devotion. That's where the Holy Spirit speaks. You are, you are confining the Holy. You are quenching the Spirit. When this person is preaching, then I know God is here. When that person is doing that, then God, the, the spirit, then the spirit comes. I'll prophesy only when they, they give me. We change the spirit when we don't create time for God. When we don't wait upon the Lord. We quench the spirit. When there is no preparation. You know, when Elijah was going to, the fire was about to come down. He told the people, make the, the altar. Put, and he told them, pour more water. Pour, there was preparation. We can't have more fire if there is no preparation. And Leviticus tells us the fire of the altar must not go out. So if you want the fire to last, we must put more sticks. So we need to find what are the building blocks of the fire so we don't quench it. Building blocks of the fire, fasting, prayer, relationship, studying the word, sharing the word, soaking in the word, listening to messages. Searching the scriptures online. Linking up with brethren who inspire you. It's all part of the building blocks. That's the, 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 the wood that is preparing. So the fire will last longer when you have all this. So when the one fire burns, one, one wood burns, another is there. But when it gets to the, it burns and there's no wood for the fire to catch it, then the fire will quench. But the more you put in the network, you relate to people who are correct in the body. You listen to the right messages. You, 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 you are there. You are rendering service. You are ministering. You go to church. You are, you are not just a, a hearer on Sundays or Wednesday, but you also play your part and you are available. You become a pillar in that altar area and the fire will continue burning. Say amen. That's how we don't quench. That's how you keep the fire aflamed. But if you just say, oh, me have been gifted. We were there before. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and God is still working. Oh, all this, we've seen it. We just, we just, we just, we just, we just, no, no, no. 
be aflame. Don't quench. Tell your neighbor, quench not the spirit. The last but one is resisting the Holy Spirit. That was said by Stephen. Acts 7.51 Say, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. I believe that this mainly deals with unbelievers. Because you are talking to unbelievers. Say, you rebels, you stiff-necked. So you also, this, you, this resistance doesn't care about... You see, a believer can also get backslide and get to the point of resisting the Holy Spirit. I believe. Amen. Open defiance, opposition to God's work and His word and hatred for God's people is a form of resistance. Because the people there, when He says so, they stoned Him. They, they resisted the Holy Spirit. On unjustified dislike for the people of God and for the work of God. As in here, the kingdom people Sometimes you see people when people are judicious or, 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 or on fire for God and they, they love the Lord. Now when he keke. Or they call him Yamika Krebs. May the Lord help us. Amen. And last but not the least, insulting the Holy Spirit. That is seen in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. It says, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? You see, this insult it's not necessarily going to say evil far where do, but the attitude is an attitudinal insult. A walking away from the presence of the Holy Spirit. A walking away from the things of God. A walking away from serving Jesus. And insulting the Spirit of grace. Not using, not working with Him in this, all the things I have mentioned before. I pray that you and I will not be found insulting the Holy Spirit Quenching him, resisting him, and every negative thing, tempting him, blaspheming, vexing, rebelling, lying, and every evil work, grieving him. May the Lord help us as we seek to please him. Wherever we have erred in dealing with the Holy Spirit, as I said at the beginning, I haven't seen anybody who said the Holy Spirit appeared to me and he, I heard his voice like that. Most of the time, it's human beings. You may think it's your husband. It's your wife. It's a child. It's a pastor. That's how people grieve the Holy Spirit. Because you are looking at human beings. Let's be careful about the dealings with one another. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit himself will help us. And when he speaks, we shall identify him and identify his voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Says, and give not the Holy Spirit into whom ye are sealed. Thank you, Lord. Help me. Help my brethren. Deliver us from any form of offense against you. Open our eyes to understand spiritual things. 
Help us not to fall prey. In Jesus' name. Amen.